Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and another Ahsoka After Show for Part 7, Dreams and Madness. This week we have our co-host Blake joining us as well as our friends Kirk, Dan, and Kyle. And we are going to dive right into this episode and just give it our Pablo points and poodoos, what we thought what we liked, what we didn't like, making connections and more. You know the rest. So without further ado, let's get into it. Chut, warm welcome, warm, ugh, warm welcomes. Warm welcomes. It's been, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, that's <laughs> precisely because I mean that's exactly what Ahsoka and Ezra shared this past week. So <laughs> that's that was, true. That was cool. I heard a lot of a lot of complaining online that, that that didn't happen between Sabine and and Ezra as well last Whoa. week. So. <laughs> So ah- Ahsoka had to, you know, one up him this week, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, with us we have uh, Kirk returning from the shadows. Welcome back, Kirk. <laughs> hello, hello. It's good to be back. <laughs> good to have you back, man. And and uh, you you've been away on a bit of a trip. So um, what we'll do is we'll just we'll we'll keep it episode seven focused this week. But but you know in two weeks time or whatever we'll do a roundtable kind of recap of the show and. Uh, I, w- I really do want to hear your thoughts on like what you thought of it so far because uh, you know so far I know Andor has been sort of your pinnacle Star Wars show and uh, I'm just what? curious. I think so. Is that right? Do I have that right? I, I, I'd say Mando and then and then Andor, but yeah, okay. Okay. this one. Mando and this then that's what I was thinking because you were you were super gung ho about Andor. Yeah, yeah. This, this one's close, but my my thoughts have been embargoed. For one to six next week, or two <laughs> weeks from now. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, and uh, Dan, welcome back, man. Hola. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on again. Haven't missed a single week of the Ahsoka. I love it. Um, and uh, Kyle, welcome back. Hello there. Thank you. Awesome. Thank right. you. We got the party going. Hello there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what I'll do is uh, read a little bit about part seven, the summary, the plots, and then we could just dive right in. So part seven, Dreams and Madness, directed by Agita Vasant Patel, written by Dave Filoni. This episode aired September 26, 2023. On Coruscant, Hera faces a disciplinary hearing with tribunal members Senators Yono objecting to her reports of the secret Imperial Remnant Conspiracy. 
Facing the punishment of a court-martial, C-3PO arrives just in time and provides the tribunal with a fake authorization by Leia Organa, forcing the court to absolve Hera. Mon Mothma, however, takes Hera's warning seriously and also has concerns over Thrawn's apparent return. Arriving at Peridia, the Purgles run into an Imperial minefield left by Thrawn's forces and retreat back into hyperspace shortly after deploying Ahsoka's ship. Ahsoka and Hu Yang are attacked by enemy fighters and proceed to hide in the debris field, compelling the Grand Admiral to adopt a more calculated approach. Ahsoka locates Sabine through the Force and heads up to the planet's surface. Ezra Bridger, Sabine Wren, and the Noti are attacked by Shin and the bandits Sabine had previously encountered, and Thrawn's night troopers. Ezra uses his Force abilities and hand-to-hand combat, choosing not to take back his lightsaber while Sabine uses her various weaponry. Ahsoka jumps from the T-6 and lands to briefly duel Balin's skull, leaving in a hurry to pursue Ezra and Sabine. Ahsoka's intervention and the dwindling night trooper dispatch lead to Thrawn withdrawing his remaining forces and preparing his imminent departure now that the Chimera is loaded with some mystery cargo. Shin Hati is forced to retreat with the night troopers after Ahsoka arrives on the battlefront, and Ahsoka, Ezra, Sabine, are joyously reunited and Hu Yang arrives with the ship for their pickup. What an episode. Uh, This was curious, seeing that this is the last, the second last episode of the season. And uh, pacing wise, I don't know about the rest of you, but I just feel like the story is not even halfway over yet. Uh, Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I think the main thing was missing is it didn't really feel like a cliffhanger before the finale. Right. Right. It was kind of that with Thrawn, like they're running out of time. But that, it, I don't know, the stakes didn't feel as high as they probably should have. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I kind of had the feeling that, yeah, perhaps, I don't know. Did, I, I mean, I'll, I'll get into it. I'll get into it with like the Thrawn kind of winning as a villain sort of thing because I have something to say about it. But um, I, I thought it was pretty good. Just off the top of my head, though. Um, maybe we can start with you, Blake. You know, just what what did you think just off the top of your head? Anything like pop out of you? From the whole episode? Yeah. Um I th- think we may have just run into that issue of it was a kind of an action episode, so there wasn't as much storytelling. Right. Which is it interesting because we're going into a finale, which well, I guess if it's similar to to the Rebels season or show finale, the second last episode was actually with no story, and then the last episode was lots of story. Mm-hmm. So maybe this going to repeat that. As far as the action sequences, I thought they were really cool, though. Yeah. Ahsoka you, finally using her twin blades against Balin, which I was complaining about the first time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's what stuck out to you too then, hey, Kyle? Oh, heck yeah. Uh, of course, the lightsaber battles are always going to pop out for me. So when she popped out the two of them, I was like, finally. Yeah. Finally, let's see how this goes down. <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Dan, what what popped out to you, man? What what did you what did you like about this off the top of your head? Um. <clears throat> It was cool. It was like, it felt like, you know, it was a lot of um, setting up for, you know, for the finale. So it was like, I liked seeing C-3PO. I didn't know that was going to happen. So that was a nice, pleasant surprise. Um, seeing him show up before to get Hera out, you know, out of trouble. Um, it was nice seeing them mention Leia 
even though obviously they can't show her. Right. So I know that she's still out there, and um, you know some cool little sequences. I like I like the naughty; they're cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those little turtle aliens. So mm-hmm. it's neat seeing something that's you know akin to uh, the Ewoks, but maybe not as annoying. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that about you. You you just never liked the Ewoks very much. Right? I don't hate Ewoks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, wasn't I some, it like when the movie first came out? Was. Wasn't that like a soft spot for you though? No, I, I loved the Ewoks because I was a kid when it, like I was like maybe ten when Return of the Jedi came out. So like <sighs> maybe I'm thinking of somebody. I thought else. they were cool. Yeah. When that when that Ewok show came out on Saturday morning cartoons, I absolutely love that one too, man. That was yeah. I used to watch the cartoon. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the made for TV movies, just because what I really I really wanted more Star Wars, and what I got was like you got the first Night Sister. Come on, wait, does she show up in that? It was a retcon, but yeah, in uh, Battle for Endor, she's she's not in Caravan of Courage. It's like the the witch lady. There's a witch lady. Oh, yeah, so the, they made her into a night sister. Yeah, but it was kind okay. of a post retcon. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Sh- Sh- uh, Chanel or something like that. Uh, we were just talking about this. Chanel. Yeah, something like that. We were just talking about it with somebody in the general channel in the in the Discord. Somebody brought it. I think I brought. That's it, right. I brought it up to somebody who's talking about that. Uh, let me just see. Cheryl, is it? Cheryl. Cheryl? Uh, yeah, Cheryl. <laughs> Is that you, Cheryl? Yeah, Cheryl. <laughs> C-H-A-R-A-L. So mm. it's leg- it's Legends mm. continuity now, but um, she <laughs> was sort of retroactively made a Night Sister, kind of like after the fact, when they started to become a thing. Yeah, it helps. Yeah. helps fit her in the storyline more, I guess. It, it does, yeah. Any kind of I also like uh, stuff, yeah. She's the only one that turns into a raven, though. We don't see any other Night Sisters do that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. True. Also, like, any time they show, um, you know, any space battles and stuff, so we got some more of that, like, them hiding in the graveyard, the well bone graveyard. And... Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh... It felt a lot like the solo asteroids to me, which I thought was kind of cool. For sure. Hiding... Waiting, biding their time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like the solo movie as opposed to Empire. Wow. Uh, okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, this episode kicks off with C-3PO, you know, showing up at the tribunal, and Mon Mothma's concerns about Thrawn are kind of made a point of interest here. And it almost, to me, feels like it's setting the stage for a story that's going to happen later on. Um Mon Mothma is a character that has experienced Thrawn as an adversary before in the Star Wars Rebels animated TV show. So, uh, you know, it's nice to see the connections made there. And uh, with 3PO showing up, kind of being a substitute for Leia Organa, uh, it is kind of like a, a interesting way to cover up, uh, you know, just sort of the absence of, of Carrie Fisher. But Maybe like, yeah, that, I feel like that stood out pretty starkly to me. Yeah, the fact that three PO was kind of a, an envoy or whatever. All I could think of was like, oh yeah, Carrie Fisher's dead. Yeah, 
It, I mean, it's it's sad for like I thought, most. I thought it was really nice. Yeah. Like, it, it, yeah. Like if you were to for, like, for especially as those older. Yeah, like like if you were to know that Carrie Fisher is is gone, right? Then it kind of stands out a bit. But like, would you say, you know, Kirk? Like, would you say like it, it's like a good way to like smooth it over? Yeah, I thought it was quite nice that they they handled it that way. It, it just uh, makes everything feel a bit more connected. Although I felt that what was the senator's name? I, I've forgotten that that um, disagreed with what Hera did and everything. It was like providing a lot of resistance. I thought his reasoning That's was just. Sure. Yeah, I just thought his reasoning. He was just like written to be a bad guy, and like all of his reasoning just didn't really make like all that much sense. Yeah, it um, didn't seem like he just railroading yeah. it for no reason. Yeah, yeah, just, he like, was like pushing stupid things. Yeah, like he has obviously because the character has no backstory, so you don't really know what he's trying to push and everything. So he might have other political, uh, you know, intentions. I don't know. Maybe Hera like got rid of one of his political dreams back in the eighties or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, like you, you don't really know like why he's pushing back. And I thought that was the, I guess, weaker part of that whole situation. But I thought it was nice that they brought C three PO in. Um, always like a nice cameo, and uh, I think uh, the way it was delivered didn't didn't mean it was just kind of fan service like but obviously they couldn't just bring Leia back right yeah that's what mm. I was gonna say I'm glad they didn't bring some person in and then face replace it because that that would have been I don't know that yeah. that that would have just been weird for me I mean it worked for Luke but they'd have to dedicate the resources to maybe really pull it off yeah hmm what, um, what planet did that take place on? Are they because I know the New Republic is supposed to ch like move from planet to planet, at least that's what it was established in the last Jedi. Coruscant. So is it still on Coruscant? Yeah, but yeah, in, in The Force Awakens, though, like the New Republic, like they blew up those planets in like the first hour of the movie, yeah. Uh, but uh, but I don't think they blew up Coruscant, like, I don't think that was a part of it. No, uh, it was a Coruscant knockoff planet called something Prime, Hosnian, yeah. Hosnian Prime. Hosnian Prime. Yeah. Um, Optimus Prime, I think. I liked. I like. I liked. <laughs> I liked three PO showing up. I thought it was. It was a nice kind of tribute, I guess, to her existing presence still within the, I guess, the politics of the New Republic. It is odd to not have her present at a meeting like that. So it was nice that they had an in-story reason to have three PO present as an almost like an ambassador for her. Um, I thought that was fairly appropriate. And, and if she, Yeah, if she's busy, yeah. it does make sense. It just, as I guess as a fan, it feels a little weird, but in the political side of what's going on, it would make sense, yeah. Especially because yeah. I'm not sure when the split happens, but by the time we meet Leia in Force Awakens, there's that, like, they've basically decommissioned the military, so there's, and she's gone on as this, like, rogue whatever legion defending the, the new republic so at some point there's going to be a split of when they try to demilitarize so we might be seeing kind of the the starting of that yeah exactly um, yeah it almost it almost makes me feel like what like what on earth happened between i guess now versus like when the false awakens occurs because like the republic obviously was demilitarized but then there's like a resistance that's coming up. So the resistance exists and the Republic and the first order. Yes. So it's just, but I also have a slight feeling that they're trying to just maybe forget about what 
it was set up, but I don't know. <laughs> well, I will admit, even just to name the resistance when you're fighting for the side that's in power doesn't make sense. You should be yeah. like, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, it, they're sort of the like protectorate a, or something. They're sort of looked <laughs> down upon, like they're looked down upon by the New Republic. You know, the resistance later. Because they're sort of not... But what are they resisting? <laughs> well, they're resisting they're, they're resisting the growing threat of the First Order, which the New Republic refuses to believe is a growing threat. They're so, resisting right. the First Order, who is resisting the Republic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well put, Kirk. <laughs> All right, yeah. moving, moving on. <laughs> um, there's a there's a minefield which the Purg will come out of hyperspace to, and it's a you know it's 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 cool and interesting of a booby trap. Although I saw a lot of like blank spots there where the ship could have just flown through without any difficulty. Um, but I like uh, up. Yeah, well, yeah. it just looked like a giant grid right it's like oh it's like there's no like it's not like randomized as far as like where these mines are placed it was just like a giant grid field so i was like you know you i can, think that's why yeah. they track though they like chase yeah, after yeah. you oh yeah i guess so yeah all right well that pops my theory on that um <laughs> I, I i'm assuming these were probably deployed by the eye of scion because how else would they get them up there just to, just throwing it out there, I was like, maybe maybe the giant hyperspace ring had them already prepped and ready to go. I thought it was kind of like, all right, cool. I guess they hugely weaponized this thing too. Mm. Well, I would I would argue. Well, I was gonna say, especially on the limited resources that Thrawn had, his ship was all beat up and everything. I like. Yeah. That being said, I think it was. I personally think it was from Thrawn's side because he had the technical layout of it all on the Star Destroyer. I, I, well, they, I don't even like, think where, they where? were in the Star Destroyer. I think they were in the, um, the temple still that the Star Destroyer parks on. And, uh, they had yeah. kind of brought out equipment from, from, uh, cause that is an interesting point to make because I was thinking about it too when that hologram with Captain, uh, Enoch comes in and it has the mm -hmm. same shimmering effect as it did on the Eye of Scion. And I was thinking to myself, like, okay, how the heck oh. does Thrawn have this technology? like there right and it's like my thoughts were that they probably had some equipment deployed and that's usually like if a military sets up an outpost somewhere you know maybe kyle maybe you can elaborate on that like there's equipment and stuff that is like de you know deployed wherever there's like an outpost oh, yeah. set up and like communications really you know like all that all the hard i, I was needed. actually in communications so yes very much so <laughs> yeah so it's usually the first thing to go in Right, right. So would you say that's kind of the first thing they did when the Star Destroyer parked on the castle? You know, the 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 people like um oh, you, what's yeah. her face yeah, like, you definitely. brought some stuff down with them, right? To to kind of make make some communication between them and the hyperspace ring. Oh, definitely. Definitely they'd have to come down with that stuff. That it, the technology, if they if they don't have the te same technology as what's on that thing, then you have to bring stuff over. It's the same thing that actually happened where the Canadians' um, communication system was actually the most high-tech and sophisticated in the world at the time, and they, we couldn't talk to the Americans. So there was a lot of confusion. So we had to send over stuff for us to be able to talk to. You know, everybody could talk together. Right, right. That was yeah, that makes sense. So if the technology advanced enough, they would have to send back tech down to Thrawn, basically. Yeah, yeah, that would make that would make a lot more sense. And also, in the time since Thrawn's been gone, the technology has obviously improved. I mean that 
that weird shimmering kind of like effect or whatever. It's pretty cool. It's a kind of a new modernized hologram, you know, coming up into view. And um, I like how it's sort of an in-between between what we see of in the sequel trilogy where it's like colored and like very lifelike uh, in that big, huge yeah. throne room with Snoke. And, uh, you know, and what, well, I think that's like the top of the line, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's getting there, right? It's like, it's like, all right. Yeah. Now it's only like 20 years away instead of like, you know, 30 something odd years away. Um, okay. Ezra's, Ezra's Troy. I've seen a lot of people talking about this online. So I, you know, we have to talk about this Ezra's choice, uh, to not use his lightsaber. And, um, he's got a moment where, he also he he pulls a Ray Kylo Vader moment and like catches the lightsaber blade with the force. I don't know. I'm, I'm like thoughts on him not using his lightsaber. Thoughts on his force ability there. Anybody? I thought he's gone. Yeah, I think he's gone ten years or so since we last saw him, and he'd only been training four years with Kanan uh, with, with the lightsaber, maybe a little bit with Ahsoka and Rebels. But I thought it was pretty. You know, it made a bit of sense that he's been really close and had a lot of uh, mindfulness time to study the force and everything. So I, th- I feel like if he hasn't picked up a weapon like that in 10 years or so, um, then it does make a bit of sense that he would just want to would want to use the force uh, during that time. And also, like he is uh, was using the blaster, his, the blasters that he picked up uh, a lot as well, which is something that he was very familiar with in, in Rebels, too. So for me, I guess it it clicked. But I can understand why people were like, why didn't he just pick up the lightsaber? But I feel like we'll eventually see him use one. But it's been 10 or so years since he's, since he's held one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my yeah. thoughts too, Kirk. Is ten, He'd be really clunky with it if he tried to use it now without any practice. We didn't see any, any Boken sticks on his trailer van either. So chances are he's just been practicing Force Kung Fu since then. <laughs> it it kind of reminds me... When he was holding the lightsaber back, it kind of reminded me of when Kanan was holding back the explosion um, just before he died. Like, you know, it's, yeah. if, if he can hold back a giant explosion from the fuel depot, you know, what's a lightsaber? Yeah. Yeah. No, I just like, I, I, I liked the, um, the catch. Uh, I've noticed just more of like a choreography. <laughs> Unintended. <laughs> It, it, well, it, I just noticed the choreography felt similar to that of the Kenobi show. Uh, Vader does the same thing, as well as in The Rise of Skywalker. We see Rey and Kylo Ren do the exact same thing, like, multiple times. So it felt very, um, I guess, symmetrical. Uh, Obi-Wan does it too, doesn't he? In the Obi-Wan show? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I swear I've seen Obi-Wan do that yeah, before. maybe, maybe. It, it has not been a thing at all in any of the... Uh, the the George Lucas Star Wars movies, I will say that. Um, so yeah, was just, it in oh, just poking, just poking know, to see if anyone I'm has any thoughts? Up. Yeah, um, the effect was cool though. You could see like the indents on the blade as to where he was using the force on it, so it was pretty sweet. Um, as far as his, do choice, people feel that like the? Sorry, like do, do people feel like the catching part was like? It, it, it shouldn't be an ability or it shouldn't work? Or is, is that like what the potential problem is? Well, is that um, people that, the, no, actually the big, the problem that most people I saw had with just the whole thing was that he chose not to use his lightsaber. And um, 
I don't think it's, right, it's, it's right. less less of a problem. I think with the lightsaber like force catching thing because that's happened a few times now. But it was more of like, oh, why is Ezra choosing not to use his lightsaber in a moment where it, clearly he needs it? And um, I think I mean this, this is a really this is a really bad analogy. But like because I spent like a month away from my computer, right? Because I, I just came back from holidays. Okay. When I sat down to jump on my computer again, like I've forgotten half of the stuff that like where things are on my computer. So if I hadn't been using a lightsaber for 10 years, I'd be a little bit more comfortable with, you know, my, my as Blake said, my uh, force Kung Fu instead. <laughs> just brute, but that, brute force that's, that's, just, that's just me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, where's my calculator on the computer? Oh, you know what? I'll just do it <laughs> yeah, in my <exactly>. head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, there was a moment in Rebels where Kanan is talking to Bendu and, uh, you know, he's got, he's, sends Ezra into the cave or whatever to go get the Sith holocron that Bendu um, hid in there for, for Kanan. And he wants to bring his lightsaber, but Kanan says, no, you don't, you know, you can't bring it with you. Like we're leaving it here. And then uh, Bendu kind of questions like why? Um, And Kanan says to him, uh, because he's got to learn to solve problems without it. And um, I, I sort of, remembered that when I watched this scene and I thought back to that moment, I was like, Oh, maybe there's some sort of character moment here going on. Maybe, maybe there's a lesson that he's learned as far as surviving without one, you know, for the last 10 years, like you said, Kirk, like maybe, maybe there's something more to it. Maybe he's like, yeah, absolutely. Thinking back to his teachings with Kanan and, you know, really, really realizing like, oh, I can, I can solve problems without, without a, a lightsaber at my side, you know, like what it means to be a Jedi doesn't necessarily need to rely on a lightsaber, you know, yeah. but uh, ironically enough, this is something that is not uh, as present with Sabine's Jedi training, which all we've seen with her Jedi training is so far from Ahsoka is lightsaber training. <laughs> um yeah i i think um like it even goes back all the way to empire like when when luke was entering the cave yoda tells him he doesn't need it right now and although this is a bit of a different situation like he's directly in combat i think uh, we get caught up into thinking or some people get caught up into thinking that star wars is just about the lightsaber battles um so i think there's there's a bit more of a, a thing behind it that it's not important to have to use it all the time and with Sabine and Ahsoka, I feel because Sabine is a lot less uh, connected with the Force compared to Ezra and some of the other Force-sensitive uh, users throughout the galaxy. And she's a Mandalorian as well. So as Mando said, like, you know, war is their religion or weapons are my religion, I think he said. Uh, I, I feel like she's always in more of a need and always more relies on having to pick up a lightsaber, even though she's nowhere near as proficient, or proficient with it. Mm, right. Yeah. Well, weapons are part of her religion, so I can see that's why they're pushing that side onto her first. But I, she's definitely going to, at some point, be able to move that goddamn cup, like we all try to do, <laughs> <laughs> sitting at the table going, I can do this. Yeah. Well, she's going to be able to do it, I believe, at some point. So I do think the force is going to you know, flow through her. I think it's just going to be, how are they going to kind of bring that out? But, of course, being Mandalorian, she's going to go with the weapon side first. Mm, right. Uh, Dan, you got any thoughts on that? No, 
Um, I'm just curious what um, what do we know about the cargo is that Thrawn's loading onto his Star Destroyer? No, we don't. It's a mystery cargo of some sort. So I don't. There's got to be space mines, right? <laughs> I think it must be some sort of um, some sort of material that they're. It seems important. Up. It does. It does seem important. I I I can't imagine exactly what it is though. Like it's it's probably just a, something a setup for a later storyline. But I was gonna throw it out there to the room. Do we know from the old legends? heir to the empire trilogy whether or not thrawn had any corn sort of um like material that he was collecting or used for any particular purpose i don't know maybe blake's the only one who read it i've read them but it's been a while i don't remember which book uh the heir to the empire trilogy oh uh he doesn't do anything like that like as far as like collecting stuff, uh, the main thing he's after in those novels is to go after the Katana fleet, which is like a kind of almost a, uh, I think of it as a fleet of Star Destroyers that are all connected uh, in a way that you could control one and the rest would all mirror it. So basically what we see in Rise of Skywalker at the end. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. So, so basically the, the answer is no then. Like we don't, we don't know what he's up to. No, this is all new. I have yeah. no idea. It could be a bunch of green milk from Uck too. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh snap. Um yeah, uh okay. Uh here's another divisive thing at the moment. Um I didn't really have a huge problem with it, but I can see why people might is the brightness of Ezra's eyes. Uh there's some people complaining they online are about it. Right. Yeah, they're so, blue as hell. So are Hera's, though. I'd say both of them are probably too bright. Yeah, and Ahsoka wears contact lenses as well. Um, so like, I just wanted to kind of throw it out there to anyone who might have an issue with this. Um, as I'm going to throw it into the genre of complaints that I have with Cad Bane and any other animation to live action adaption. Uh, because that is just a flaw of contact lenses you know it's i may i guess maybe it's really hard to get a color that looks natural but also mimics the animated version really well like i don't really know i would have been happy with just a dark blue because it doesn't need to look exactly like the animation version um but in the animation version like if you look at any picture of ezra his eyes are really blue like but it is animated right so it, it kind of plays up a little it, it, differently it doesn't look yeah. out of place in the animated show. That's the thing. Right, yeah. Yeah, everything's kind of brightly colored in animated form. So it, it sort of doesn't pop as much. But uh, in live action, it's not natural for someone with black hair to have blue eyes. So I can see it being a weird looking look. But they do look like contact lenses. Like when you look at him, it's just like, okay, yeah, that dude is wearing contact lenses. Like... Yeah. <laughs> Every time he looks surprised, you can really tell. Yeah. <laughs> it's one falls out. <laughs> I think um, because uh, I think similar to how Ahsoka's, uh, I think it's her Leku, is what you, what the, like the, in, the in tales, Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah that's Leku. right. Yeah. In, in season two, episode five of Mandalorian, I think they were too short. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, they updated them because of based off feedback online. 
I think that's going to be a similar situation here. They've obviously probably gone a little bit too far with how blue his eyes are. And I think even with someone with blue eyes, I don't think I've ever seen somebody in real life with eyes that blue. Mm. So I feel like they'll, they'll probably dial it back and it may have just been a bit or a bit over the top. All right, or maybe he's been sniffing a lot of spice, I guess, and he's been reading the Dune novels. <laughs> it's either that or I don't know nice what is going on. The spice must flow. Yeah. Um, would, here, here's like... Hold just, on, hold on, hold on. Before we move on, I figured it out. It wasn't Obi-Wan who I saw block the saber. The first time I saw it was actually on the Old Republic MMO trailer, Hope. That's the first time I'd ever seen a Jedi block saber with using the Force. That was 12 years ago. That's why I could barely put it together. I found it. Oh, so if anyone okay. listening is wondering wow. what the heck I was talking about, it was that. Oh, is that the trailer that they just took down recently, like off YouTube? No, it's on YouTube right now. I just opened it. It's under SW, the Old Republic channel. Yeah, oh, no, Kirk, you were talking about the more recent um, the Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic remake. They recently took that trailer down, right? Oh, I have to rewatch what you're saying there, Blake. Then I think, uh, yeah, just out, like completely off I'll subject. Share a link. Completely off subject, though. Like you've brought up a very noteworthy recent news story, Kirk. Um, is the for for the last two and a half years, I think it's been. Uh, there was supposed to be a PlayStation Five. A remake or or something like a next gen remake of Knights of the Old Republic, and there was a, a like a CG trailer made with Revan kind of coming out of the shadows and lighting up his lightsabers and stuff, and uh, it was called Knights of the Old Republic remake, and I think it's that trailer that they took offline. So there's some worry as to whether or not that game is going to see the light of day anymore. The latest rumor I saw was a new studio is going to take it on, but I have no idea if that's true. Because hmm. I guess they like fired the whole staff of the like the leading from the original group. I think what happened was, according to this article I read, so you know, grain of salt, whatever. Uh, they did a demo, and EA or whoever was just wasn't impressed, so they they called it. Yeah, I'm not entirely surprised to be honest. Um, when I saw that this game was going to be remade, I did ha- didn't have crazy high hopes that it would be finished (laughs) um this happens a lot in the star wars game community uh there's a lot of games that they announce and then it just never comes to be so it is what it is uh i gotta throw it out there um the casting for ezra is great like aman um efstani however i say his last name there it he is so good at portraying ezra 10 years or nine years older or whatever it is it's been and it's amazing does anyone else just like kind of stare at this guy and go like whoa like we're so lucky or like does anyone have a problem with the casting i just i don't know i just want to hear some opinions around um if anyone has any no i thought they nailed it and we talked about this last episode when we met him he looks like a spitting image of what Ezra's father looked like in the animated series, so it's kind of crazy. It looks like what I would have expected him to look like growing up is exactly what they did. Pretty nuts. Crazy. Yeah, I think the casting. I think the casting is great through the thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he looks awesome. <laughs> um, I was watching this episode with a buddy of mine um, who is not present tonight, but he's been on in other weeks. Uh, Nick. 
he uh, there was one scene where uh, there was a bunch of raiders sort of on the backs of the howlers uh, reaching the edge of a hilltop and he probably would have wanted to point this out but it was very hobbit like very um, reminiscent of a scene in the hobbit where all the orcs are riding their their big you know things around yeah i thought that when i was watching that i was like holy crap that literally looked like lord of the rings right yeah, it was very well, reminiscent. Well, you have Ahsoka the White, like. Yeah, you got Ahsoka the White in there. You got, um, you know, a bunch of bandits and stuff riding orc-like dog things. Like, what, what are those things called in The Hobbit? Those wargs. Are, wargs, yeah. Yeah, wargs. Are the naughty the hobbits? I, 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 <laughs> I the trailer park version of hobbits i mean hey if anyone's seen rings of power it's pretty much uh pretty much hobbits yeah like <laughs> like the, the hobbits are migrating around on their caravan in, in rings of power so yeah very um very reminiscent of that uh second duel between ahsoka and balin uh, kyle i mean you have something to say about the dual lightsabers i'm oh. sure Oh, I well, I love when she uh, when she busts them out on on him, and uh, it's something that you can tell from her style that 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 is definitely her forte, and it's something for more attacking. So she's you can see that Balin is all about um, hard defense in that with a strong force attack and stuff and everything. And for her, you can see that she's just it's it's quick strikes trying to get in there. And the defense is uh, a little lower when when you're using two like that. So you can see that um, his strength uh, in in his attack with a single attack, and her strengths are in multiple quick attacks. But it was it was it was really fun to watch that one. Yeah, as you know, of course, the lightsabers. <laughs> I was a little surprised how it wrapped up because you know oh. it it was interesting to me that she's like i don't need to fight you and then she just kind of runs away and i was like oh i never really thought about that either <laughs> i don't know did I what's just... that over there and just runs away <laughs> yeah yeah i was like what <laughs> oh man yeah no that was good how uh, how she did use that cover to just go you know what screw you buddy i'm out like I, I don't really i don't really need to fight you but yeah i love how she just just took off like that yeah, yeah. It was a nice retort. Did too, she learn that I, lesson from from Anakin? Like, you know, yeah. Wasn't that part of the flashback? Was like, you know, knowing what you're fighting for, and yeah. Well, also just living to fight another another fight, I guess. Because yeah, you know, she was ready to just give up on on life. You know, just like I'm. You know, it's just like he wanted the he wanted to teach her the lesson. Like, you either live or die. And Balin says to her, "You can't defeat me." So I don't know if that's them telling us as an audience, like, okay, he's too good for her to take down, right? Like maybe we've come across an adversary that Ahsoka just can't beat. And um, yeah, maybe, maybe that's their way of saying like, you know, if she continues with the fight, she could die. Um, so her retort to that is, well, I don't need to fight you. <laughs> and then she just kind of runs away. It's like, all right. Yeah, I feel it was uh, definitely... Uh, more so too she had the sign that she was needed elsewhere and she remembered what she was fighting for in that fight with Balin like he was just sitting on top of the hill like doing absolutely nothing and then she realized oh wait I'm supposed to be helping my buddies that are potentially losing a battle down there and then she did in the end uh, end up stopping uh, Ezra and uh, Sabine getting uh, shot down 
because uh, she inter intervened, intervened quickly. So that was my uh, interpretation of uh, the end of that fight. But I also don't really know what it, Balin is up to at this stage. Like he just told Shin Hati to go down and he would just stand and watch. Like, like what, what is he yeah, doing? Yeah, <laughs> there seemed like a splitting of ways there. He It seemed like they base from what I got from their conversation was... The, he sees her her drive or her ambition is just leading her in a different direction than what he's doing. So he's like, go, like, go join the Empire, join them, do all this. I'm going to go do my own thing that you clearly have no interest in following. Well, remember in the last episode, he was talking about there's a power here, right? Like maybe he wants all that to himself. He can see that she's, she's really dark side. So go off and go kill these people. I'm going to go get this power because remember how we talked about the idea of the Jedi and everything like that. And he wants to just end the, the, the struggle between both sides. Maybe he's like, okay, you just go off and do that. You're, you're not ready to go and do this special power that I know that's on this planet. You're not ready for it. Maybe he's she's too, too young, first. naive and uh, like battle ready. <laughs> go child. Have a good death. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely looked like he betrayed her though when he like didn't go with her. She's like, "Really?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of weird, wasn't it? Um, and then the way that things ended for her, she kind of just runs off, and it's like, "Dude, like, what does she do now?" Like, I don't, I don't really know. There's also interaction between that and Thrawn because Thrawn specifically says, "Like, let's see how uh, Balin is making out," referring to them going after Ezra and Sabine. Mm. And he didn't go. So it means, that means Thrawn has no idea that Balin has his own agenda. You know what You know what really bothers me is, I mean, knowing that Ray Stevenson has sadly passed away, um, that it feels to me as if they've only just begun a plot line for this character. And I, yeah. I feel like definitely like they're setting yeah. him up. Yeah. Bad. Maybe and, season two. And unfortunately, that's probably, you know, that's not going to happen now unless they recast him. Right. That's sort of the, the, the downside, right? Because, like, if they recast him, I mean, you know, I... I Who's going to play that character that good? Yeah. Yeah, oh. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he's so, so yeah. much gravity to that character. Um, what, if they doc gonna... what if they Doctor Who him? The last episode, he, like, morphs into another person. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm more into Balin than I am Thrawn in this season. Like, it's like he's Hands such down. a character. Yeah. Like, That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, Actually, it's just the the acting is so well done. You can't not just be impressed. Kind of yeah. over overshadows Thrawn a bit. Yeah, I'm, I might be. Uh, I, I, I might be controversial here, but I kind of feel like Thrawn is a really like in at least in this show and and maybe uh, in in a bit in Rebels. He's actually not that good of a battle strategist. He's just really good at just like rewording the situation in a way that <laughs> yes, that he, yes, he thought of it all Kirk, along. This so is exactly this is exactly so what I was gonna bring episode, up. Yeah, he's just like I actually gave them less time and they've run out of time i'm like yeah as, like, as if you thought that like they were gonna win that battle and then you finished loading your cargo like i come on man yeah no this is uh, thank you for bringing this up because like i'm glad i'm not the only one who had a problem with this um because thrawn is such a fan favorite character i don't want to throw any like dirt at the, at the character or anything like that and, and he's casted so perfectly and everything but 
but yeah, I couldn't help but notice they pulled another Star Wars Rebels moment in this episode where, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, all the stormtroopers, they're dead and, you know, we've lost the battle. Like, what are we going to do? And he's like, these are acceptable losses, seeing as uh, Balin was not there, but we have in fact won the battle as we have just been given more time to load up my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Okay, oh, sure. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, just, like, just oh, rework yeah, it yeah. into your victory. It's like, yeah, great. He's the only not yeah. He spends it. I planned this all along. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the true but, voice of, of his, like the, the fascism or whatever it is that you want to call it behind the empire, where it's like, no matter if I lose, I still win. <laughs> things are proceeding precisely as i have foreseen yeah i guess though like it on in, in truth truth of the matter is though like he did that's all he's ever wanted he just wants to get out of there right so like i guess so long as they don't blow up the eye of scion like he's kind of won in a way because <laughs> his ride has arrived right so like he can now get the heck out of there and uh, it is funny though like falling out or like falling up from rebels going to this it feels like because i know they tried root hard to not make him the middle villain of the week grievous issue where he just feels like this this uh fumbling villain mm-hmm. but it does almost feel a little bit towards the end where it's like well no matter leave them anyway kind of the i'll get you tenacious d at <laughs> <Had> a moment <laughs> <laughs> oh man i honestly uh i honestly think that what, what I want and firstly I do say all that not thinking that the uh, Mads Mikkelsen is, is not doing a good job like, I think he's doing an amazing job I, I really like the character and I do like how he's being played I just think the writing is, is obviously not coming across in the way that shows him as a good battle strategist but more of a guy that just accepts a loss but then tells everyone that he planned it um, but I really think uh, Thrawn needs to do something like properly evil like just execute somebody or do something really just horrible. that's not thrawn though thrawn's yeah, not but- evil he's clever and cold and cunning so he needs to do something yeah maybe, unique maybe right. and unexpected but is it necessarily like cruel for cruelty's sake yeah he's not yeah. like he'll just you know murder somebody he's like calculated or big picture Mm. Okay, angry. scratch that then. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I'm looking for him to do actually something smart then, because everything he's done so far, I, I don't, I, I, in, yeah. in this show at least, I don't feel as being, you know, that that crazy. Yeah, it's gonna I, be the cargo, whatever that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, this is gonna be his big gambit. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna agree with Kirk. Like, I haven't. He hasn't really done anything incredibly thrown, you know, or like, like, like. He hasn't done anything really. Just just loaded up a ship and sent some people out to go fight. He's yeah. a great moving guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna toss it up to he's got very little sort of to uh, work with other than what has come to him, and his ultimate goal is to bring all that whatever it is with him and get the heck out of Peridia, right? So as far as we know, that's going to happen. Right, like he's kind of confirmed to us. Okay, yeah, I'm getting out of here, and um, in in a sense, he's kind of uh, obtained his his objective. Right, so I guess like we'll have to wait and see whether or not that happens. Of course, but um, you know, I guess there are losses in in war. Um, 
but yeah, it, it isn't like the most notable victory. I think what I would like to see as long with, you know, along with so many other people is him to really just come in and just wreck the new Republic, you know, just rip them a new one. And we get a story where he is now the biggest baddie out there. Um, and the guy that they have to take down and deal with for the new Republic to continue working and, uh, to be a success because it's still such a fragile system. Uh, so, uh, I guess, um, maybe that'll lead into the sequels. Like maybe that'll lead into the whole first order thing. Um, we know that the first order controls like a section of the galaxy at the start of the force awakens. So like this is a plot line that gets built up prior to the sequels as much as it does at the beginning of the force awakens when they do decide to blow up Hosnian prime. Um, you know, there, there's another thing. It's like, like when did the Republic decide to migrate to Hosnian Prime instead of Coruscant, right? Like, you know. Well, that... remember what they're doing there is is like a cycle. So it's like every six months or whatever, they go to a different planet, and that way all the power isn't in one location. So it's like a parliament moves, you know, from planet to planet. You just happen to be on Hosnian Prime during The Force Awakens. They do that? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was their that was their explanation to why it's not Coruscant. I don't remember that. I thought it was just they'd maybe, might, they'd move there. Yeah, maybe like you're onto something because maybe Thrawn's gonna like come back to the main galaxy and then propose to everyone his new moving services because like you know he's got all those ships loaded up and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. There, there, there's got to be something bigger going on here. Um, if 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 Thrawn if Thrawn comes back and meets up with Commander Hux somehow, because remember he was part of that council from um, the Mandalorian. So if he comes back and meets up with Commander Hux, that could be a way that Hux now gets to become General Hux in in the in the prequels. Yeah, well, his um, that that's his son uh, in 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 the sequels. Um, uh, what we see with uh, what's his face. Ar- Armitage is it Armitage Hawks, who's like the uh, the one that we see in the you know I'm oh. the spy like that guy. That's his dad. Yeah. That's that's his dad oh, in the okay. in the Mandalorian. Oh, that's his dad. Yeah. Actually, okay, I'm, 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 just... I'm gonna play a little clip actually um, from mm-hmm. Mandalorian season three episode seven, and I thought it was quite relevant to like kind of perhaps us speculating about the like the future politics of all this stuff. I mean, we can just take Before a quick listen. Before you do that. I have the exact quote here from Wikipedia of why it's on Hosnia Prime. Oh, yeah? So before we change too far of a topic, so it says, uh, following the Battle of Endor, Chandrilla became the capital of the New Republic, a nascent government that was created from the Rebel Alliance to gain support of defected worlds and prevent the friction occurred under the Old Republic and the Empire. The New Republic chose not to base its government on Coruscant. Instead, Member worlds would host capital and galactic senate on a rotational basis through elections. About 30 years after the Battle of Endor, Hosnian Prime was the capital of the New Republic until it was destroyed by the First Order circular base. Interesting. So, so then, so they, so they were based there. So I think it had to be at that point. So it says, instead, member worlds would host capital and galactic senate on a rotational basis through elections so i think they they have an election of which planet it should go to and then it'll go there uh and then rotate is my understanding 
So it'll, it'll go there every... It, it, yeah. Wherever they vote for it to go to is where it'll go. And I think, like, it'll, however often they have elections, it'll rotate to different planets. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Interesting. And there's a reason why they had to do that. I'm reading right now. According to Lucasfilm Story Group member Pablo Hidalgo, representatives from Lucasfilm were reticent to the idea since Coruscant was planned to appear in other projects besides Force Awakens as a compromise, housing and prime was created to fill the role of the new Republic capital. I think they so should have just did it. It would have been yeah. so cool if they blew up Coruscant. <laughs> Basically, Lucasfilm was like, no, you can't destroy that. We have other plans for it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Man, that's such an insult. J.J. Abrams' first thing he wants to do is blow up all the prequel <laughs> planets. Like, screw that's that guy, man. from the prequels? Let's yeah. blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know that. You know the planet that they always go to in the Phantom Menace? Let's just kill it. Kill it, everyone. Kill all of them. Yeah. What, yeah. what do you think Jar Jar's <laughs> bones would look like? Let's put him there. <laughs> it's like, imagine The Force oh, Awakens man. just like opens instead of that scene, like he destroys Naboo, he destroys <laughs> he destroys Coruscant, he just destroys, he destroys uh, uh, what, what, what's the factory, the droid factory and everything. Um, Genosis. Uh, yeah, he destroys Genosis, like everything. He'll blow up Moss Espa, <laughs> but not Moss Eisley. You just, yeah. yeah, you have like a, you have like a, you know, like a episode six kind of montage of all the planets celebrating like their independence from the empire. And then, you know, you see like, oh, we so free. And then just like, boom, just blows up the planet. <laughs> Big red laser. Like, <laughs> With a bunch of like lens flares and everything. It just goes, it goes chaotic. Oh, jeez, Yeah. The lens flares. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Um, I gotta, I gotta bring this up, uh, because of just before I play this clip, um, is, um, Ahsoka and Ezra are reunited. I didn't catch a, a glimpse or a, like, I didn't catch an instance of where Ahsoka referenced her promise to find Ezra back in rebels, but I really hope they do bring it up at some point because that's something that she did promise. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, cool to see them together again and uh, you know i'm sure everyone got warm feelings when they had a you know shared reunion there um uh but yeah let me uh let me play this clip here and then we can do some speculating so this is from the beginning of season three episode seven chapter 23 of the mandalorian it's an episode called the spies and moff gideon walks into his uh secret council room on mandalore uh where he is hosting or part of a uh, group of Imperial remnant officers and moths, uh, which call themselves the Shadow Council. So let's take a listen. The New Republic is vulnerable, but we must be cautious and show no sign of our true strength. Easy for you to say, Captain. There's a fortune to be had. Plundering the hyperspace lanes. Commander, your hit and run operations are gaining too much notice. If we are perceived as anything other than a group of unorganized remnant warlords, the New Republic will increase their efforts to hunt us down. There are citizens loyal to the Empire on every planet in this galaxy. They're already getting sick of this New Republic and its rules and regulations. And if we give them a show of strength, they will rally behind us. That strength must not be wasted. The Grand Admiral Thrawn's return will herald in the re-emergence of our military and provide Commandant Hutz enough time to deliver on Project Necromancer. Captain Pelion, you always speak with much authority. 
And yet I see, once again, that Grand Admiral Thrawn is missing from your delegation. Any word on when he will be able to participate in the Shadow Council? With respect, our one hope for success relies upon the secrecy of his return. Captain, secrets are my stock in trade. I hear whispers from one end of the galaxy to another, and never a word of Thrawn. You have spoken of his imminent return. Perhaps it's time we look to new leadership. Here, here. Project Necromancer is a place for that. Yes, Commandant. What has become of Dr. Pershing and the research you promised us? Dr. Pershing was captured by the New Republic. His research is lost, for now, at least. I also hear whispers, Gideon. You held Pershing and were attempting your own experiments on Navarro. The creation of clones is your obsession, not mine. I account for what goes on in my sector, no more, no less. The same can be said of every member of this council. Yes. Of course. That's right, yes. And yet, we individually scrape and claw resources, awaiting the grand plan to take shape, while you and Peleon amass countless resources and equipment which should be shared. We already received your request. Three Praetorian guards. Sounds like someone is concerned about an assassination attempt. And he thinks I'm being the flashy one. And reinforcements for your TIE interceptor squadron. And Bombers. Yes, I see. And what is your security concern? Mandalorians. What? They continue to be an issue? They do. I am increasingly confident that they are preparing to retake their home world of Mandalore. A research in Mandalore would hamper our efforts. Which is why we need to stamp them out now. Yes. You'll have your reinforcements. And your guard. We shall be rid of the Mandalorians once and for all. Long live the Empire! Long live the Empire! All right, there you go. Mm, interesting. I haven't heard that in a while. So definitely makes me wonder how they're planning ahead for Thrawn. Maybe what he would want to do without any contact with him whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's after he... Or is he... Oh, okay. So what's what's the timing on this then? This, this show is supposed to <laughs> overlap Ahsoka. Uh, Mandalorian, that is. Mandalorian is supposed to overlap Ahsoka. The, the third season. Of Mando. It's the same. It's the same timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Same year. 
So hmm. um, they did mention they did mention the attack uh, yeah. in in this this episode right at the start, like the outcome of, of Moff Gideon uh, losing the battle on Mandalore. I'm pretty sure it was mentioned, wasn't it? Yeah, in in the Ahsoka episode. Yes. So yeah, this um, episode right at the start, Carson Teva I think mentioned the attack on Mandalore. Yes. Yeah. So so by the time this um, this episode rolls around, um, I'm, I I guess this is kind of more recent news you know within the last couple of weeks or months or something like that 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 moff gideon's downfall has kind of occurred and um yeah so this episode was occurred just before uh just before the uh this the sorry the audio that we just heard just occurred before this episode right right yeah and what's interesting to me is commandant hux and Paleon, Admiral uh, Paleon, who is a notable character from the Legends continuity, uh, made its way into canon. And uh, both of those are characters that we have uh, sort of come to an understanding through the Aftermath trilogy of novels, as well as uh, Phasma, uh, the book, to... Um, they are very trusted, high-up-ranking people within the First Order. And that's part of the reason why, um, our, um, at, uh, like his son, Armitage I believe it is, is his name, is is kind of a prominent character in the sequels because he's got the the power in the family name. But um, these two characters, right off the bat, I mean, you know, twenty years prior to those films, are in such a position of secrecy compared to the rest of because they they're the ones amassing resources. And you know, it's interesting to me that like Moff Gideon kind of points that out. He's like. Yeah, we're we're all scraping for scraps around here. Like, how come you guys get all the stuff? Like, how come, you know, like, so I, I was like, oh, I was thinking to myself, like, well, maybe like they're the they're also the two that are kind of big believers in the grand plan and that Thrawn is going to come back. Right. So like, and it's worth mentioning that Captain Paleon was actually from the, the original Thrawn trilogy novels and was Thrawn's right hand man. Yeah. So so like, I wonder if maybe even though Moff Gideon's like, you know, secrets are my stock and trade. If Thrawn was coming back, I'd know about it, right? I think they're keeping it from him for a reason. Like, they kind of know that he's sort of a power-hungry guy and that he's probably not a trustworthy person to have that sort of information. So there's a there's a good sort of, sort of secrecy kind of building up around this whole is Thrawn coming back? And... Uh, you know, all the way to the New Republic, where a lot of the senators in, in, on that council are like, that's just like a friggin' rumor. You know, like there's no way that's happening. Really, he's gone, right? So um, it's cool how they've sort of built this this up as like a those who believe it could be part of like a conspiracy theory, but the ones who are actually behind it are like, you know, there's very very few people who know that this is the likelihood of the you know a reality. And there's a good chance that Captain Palin and Hux are both in league and in communication with Morgan Elsbeth, and probably also responsible for mass amounting resources, um, you know, in part for the project that they have been building, which is I have Scion uh, to bring Thrawn back. Anyone have any thoughts on that or? Well, I can see that being something that can take place because, I mean, where did she get? Uh, you know, she's she's like what the last night sister. How did how did she uh, 
get um, all of that money? How did, how does she get power in that town? How does she get where she got without having at least some sort of help from the empire? And maybe the empire, those, those people there that are instructing her, maybe, maybe she is kind of under their command in a, in a sense, like I'm going to go find Thrawn for you guys. Mm. Oh, sorry. That's my cat. <laughs> is that Ahsoka I hear? It's a lost that cat. Is Ahsoka. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm curious where those original ties lie because they must be quite tight in the fact that in Mandalorian, I believe it's season two, Ahsoka goes after her directly to find out information about Thrawn. So those ties must go back quite a ways. Right. Yeah, they, they, they must. They must. I mean, uh, we don't have a story that would brings Morgan and Thrawn together yet, but um, perhaps that's just something that they're kind of insinuating, that she's sort of been a part of this trusted small group of people, of Thrawn's allies, that is, you know, from the beginning, including Hux and Paleon. Because she talks about getting information from her dreams, right? From the, the Night Sisters. Yeah, that's how she kind of finds Thrawn. I guess. So is it so? So basically, we're, we're, what I'm wondering is: is there stuff that happened prior to that, or if it started with her getting these dreams? And then, if so, how did Ahsoka find out about it in the first place? Well, she, she's always been an ally of Thrawn's, right? Like they kind of made a point of of saying that at one point in the show. But um, I think what's come to Ahsoka's attention is that if Thrawn's alive, Ezra's probably still alive too, right? So um, her kind of going on this journey to uh, both save Ezra and also prevent Thrawn from coming back is, is just kind of the natural course of events. I mean, that comes out of even the theory that Thrawn is alive. It's for her, it's also a personal journey for her and Sabine to find Ezra again as well. Uh, well, yeah. let's do some Pablo points and poodles. Um Maybe Blake, you can, kick us off what what do you what do you think about this one well before we get into that i just want to quickly say that when ahsoka offered to have shin join her then she, she ran away she ran away very nonchalantly and made me laugh <laughs> like a light jog in the other direction <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right guess i'm done here <laughs> yeah yeah man it was a serious moment and then I just felt like it, it was, had pretty good comedic timing. Anyway. Uh, get her steps in, man. Right? <laughs> I would say I enjoyed it overall. It definitely stepped down from last week's episode. Um, I was really intrigued at the beginning. We didn't even talk about it. I was really intrigued that Ahsoka has these recordings of Anakin that are like from the Clone Wars of uh, him giving training instructions. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was super cool. In fact, there's up to 20 of them that we could potentially see at some point. Some more Hayden is always a good thing. Yeah. Um, it's hard to gauge um, just because, as we said, this is really leading into the following episode. So this is a stepping stone episode in regards to that. So I'm going to give it, say, 1.7 Pablo points. All right. Cool. Uh, Dan, what about you? I give it a two. Um, it definitely wasn't as it wasn't as good as the previous two episodes, but it still had some cool stuff. Um, it's always good to see Ezra, so I feel like it was a solid two. Awesome. 
All right, uh, Kyle. Well, I, I, the episode was kind of slow for me and everything like that. I did like the, uh, of course, the lightsaber fight. Um, seeing C three PO was really cool. Um, I got to meet Anthony Daniels, so it just that was kind of cool to see him, or see C three PO and stuff. So um, again, it wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be. You know, especially after the the last episode. So yeah, I'm literally at like a one point five for this. Yeah. All right. All right. And Kirk. I think uh, for me, given that we're at seven of eight episodes, and if I look back at Mandalorian season one, like we had the cliffhanger, and we knew where the last episode was going. Uh, same with season two, we knew it was going to be like the final uh, battle against him and Moff Gideon. And then looking at Kenobi, like we we knew that we we're going to be getting the Darth Vader Kenobi fight, and we could tell the season was coming to an end. I feel like this episode needs. Uh, I feel like we're only like seventy five percent of the way through the season. Um, and because of that, because I feel like we're not really building to something big to happen in the last episode, I'll probably give it a similar to Kyle. I'll give it one and a half Pablo points out of out of three. Um, I think that's really, really it. That. Yeah, you really yeah. nailed it, Kirk. Like the fact that this is a you know the the semi finale. Like this is like this should be the, the Christmas Eve of the season, and it's just yeah, it, it didn't feel like it, it's is leading up to anything really. That, yeah. Like if if they if they would have just did it from like episode you know the last one into the into the last episode that just plays uh, into the one that's gonna happen, then I'd I'd feel a little more excited because there was such a cliffhanger on the on the last one. This one there was it it was just nothing. Yeah. yeah, I genuinely feel this is like Andor. Like, I say, sorry, not like Andor, but like this should be episode like seven of twelve. I, I really feel rather than mm-hmm. episode seven of eight. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Although, I think, wait, was it this episode with, I think, with Hayden Christensen, like the little training scene at the yep. start? I, yeah, I, yes. I did, I, I did, I did like that. But that, that was nice. But yeah, one and a half for me. Yeah. All right, awesome. Um, I'm going to give it a one. And uh, just so anyone knows, because I skipped over it, it is a scale of seven. So, three Pablo Pudus is the worst of the worst. Moving on from there, you got two Pablo Pudus, one Pablo Pudu, and a Bendu is a 50% score. And then you got one, two, and three Pablo points, three being the best of the best of the best. So uh, one and beyond, I figure is it's good and better. Uh, so I feel like we're all sitting in a pretty positive range still. Um, you know, it's not the best of the best, but it's not like terrible. Uh, but yeah, I do agree with a lot of that. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that maybe episode eight does somewhat resolve, I guess, a lot of what we uh, have going on inside. And perhaps, you know, a little bit more is revealed as to how the story is going to continue on. Um, there's also a good likelihood that the Dave Filoni New Republic movie could you know, take the story uh, from the finale of Ahsoka and carry on into the live action big screen universe, you know, going to the theater every couple of years. So, you know, there's something to think about as well. Uh, as far as my thoughts on the training sequence, I loved it. I know we forgot to talk about it, um, but I loved Anakin's little quip at, uh, you know, practice these forms often, uh, at least more than I do, because <laughs> in Attack of the Clones, uh, Obi-Wan kind of says to him, like, you know, if you practice your lightsaber forms as much as you uh, fly or whatever, you'd rival Master Yoda as a swordsman. And, you know, he like has a little thing where he says, you know, uh, throws Anakin under the bus for not practicing his forms very much. So I thought it was a smart little, uh, little uh, callback to that. Um, but yeah, my thoughts on it are a one Pablo point, uh, which it's good. It's all right. 
Uh, all right. Well, that being said, um, you know, we only have one more week until Ahsoka's done. And then we're going to do a roundtable um, discussion for the series overview, which might be a, uh, just like a great way to kind of get a variety of opinions going on. So if anyone listening out there is curious on sending in a voice memo or whatever, uh, you know, feel free to do that. Send it to our email, swskatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find it in the description below. And uh, I guess that being said, uh, Kyle, Kirk, Dan, uh, thank you so much for coming on and uh very welcome oh yeah and blake we will uh catch you in the next one as well thank you for co-hosting yeah it's good to be here we'll see you out there out there keep flying (laughs) time to abandon ship all right thanks so much for listening guys and if you could throw us down a five-star review that'd be absolutely awesome helps us out a lot it helps us with the algorithm that people can find the show and uh, as you know, it's completely ad-free and unmonetized and all that stuff. So we just do this because we love Star Wars. And uh, we'd love to get your feedback on how you were entertained. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, as far as uh, the following weeks go, make sure you keep tuning in for more Ahsoka Chats. And uh, we will come up with some more good stuff in the future. We've got a book review going on uh, for Rise of the Red Blade for Inquisitor coming up as well. So we're going to have that happen too. And uh, so many other things. So uh, thanks uh, so much to all our participants this week. And we look forward to hearing from all of you who may potentially send in a voicemail. Uh, so go follow us at the socials below. Uh, go check out Alki Sabers and Orbit Key. So many other links down in the description. And we'll catch you in the next one. May the force be with you. <laughs>